Everything's bigger in California, baby. I'm Eliza Jansen. I'm Noah Jansen. And I'm Meg Jansen. And this is Twin Picks. Gosh, I love movies. Welcome to Twin Picks, the show where a pair of actual real-life human twins and also me make a double feature out of two movies that share some kind of similarity and decide which one does its job better. Yeah, they do. Here we are. Back again. Thank you for joining us, Eliza. Oh, so far away. Yeah, in the city of The weather over there, huh? It's kind of cold. No, Mm. not like... Oh, really? What temperature? Oh, like it's winter, like it's a middle of winter here or whatever, or getting towards end of winter, and it's like 16 is the coldest it'll get, so it's not that bad. Did you know it's not actually winter over there? It's fall. What? Oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, it's been fall for seasons. nine days. Fall. Yeah. I know I know. for us that summer is like, I know it's <laughs> no, no, December. Say it, say it. <laughs> I know say it's it December. Say your seasons, Noah. I know it's December <laughs> and January. Seasons. I don't know if it's November or if it's February. This is like how Eliza can't tell 24-hour time. <gasps> I'm good. I can tell any time. <laughs> Did you say you know it's December in January? No, December I said I know it's December. January. He doesn't know if it's November I don't know if it's February. It's uh, February. And then I don't know what comes after that. And then the just groups of three. You don't know what it's winter. Comes and then I don't know what, what season after comes after summer? It's either autum or spring. <laughs> What oh my the God. fuck? Yes. <laughs> no way. Okay, think about this. It's hot. No, 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 wait. I will get there. It's hot. What happens in spring, right? It's hot. The They come out. Like, the <laughs> oh, shit. And then. The, my God. <laughs> Who is that? The flowers and shit. Like, they're out and they're they having a good time. They and then yes. they, <laughs> and then they, them. So, do you reckon it's getting warmer or colder in spring? It's getting colder. So, they're falling. Wait, yeah. no, in spring, no, no, no! In I was talking about fall. In spring, in spring, they're coming out again. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's summer, autumn, also known as fall in the biz. <laughs> yeah, it's a Hollywood winter, industry term. It's nothing yeah. else. And then it's spring. But I don't know yes. when any of those are. <laughs> and then oh everyone god. clapped. Now, Eliza, <laughs> if the big hand is at the nine, yeah. can and we go back to the lines? Doesn't have no, clocks. No, no. What? <laughs> I actually have a really sad story about how I don't know how clocks work. Go like, tell in, us. In German, when I was doing German classes in high school, um, I was like okay at German and the teacher was like, wow. all right, I'm going to like pass around TikTok biscuits, like the little clock biscuits. And it's easy. You just have to say what the time on it is in German. <laughs> I was like, in I, English. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, the German is fine, but the English, like I literally don't know what time that is on this little clock. Biscuit for children, <laughs> like it's literally for like six-year-old children to learn the time. Can you do it now? <laughs> no, it still freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> and oh like, my God. I would just, I would just eat the biscuit as soon as I got it, and then she's like, "Eliza, what time is it?" I'd be like, "Oh, sorry, I don't know." I ate it. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. That is apocalyptic. You oh, that's so, so funny. Stupid. Yeah, make, make us another. There has to be some basic functional. thing you don't know. Um. 
episode. Meg's like, um, I don't know about this random law thing. Oh, wait, yes, I do. I'm a lawyer. I'm really smart. Um, I was a really bad cook for a while. Meg, what about bygones? Oh, Chantal, is this time? Bygones. Bygones? Guys, this is a bit of an an involved one. Alrighty. This is kind of like the greatest hits of me. It's one of those (laughs) stories. (laughs) Disc one. So you know the saying, let bygones be bygones? Yes. Bygones. Let bygones. Bygones. Bisons. Let the bygones. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, sorry. Okay, stop. Okay, let's breathe. So (laughs) the saying, let bygones be bygones, it means let's let what's gone by, let's let it be. Water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. We've gone K by. Yeah, exactly. I was convinced that a bygone was a kind of bird. (laughs) I thought the phrase meant let the birds (laughs) be the birds. Leave the bygones alone. (laughs) Preserve the bygones. What I took it to mean was so the birds are what they are and we can't change the birds, so let the birds (laughs) be the birds. You know what I mean? That's kind of beautiful. Let my mind be the birds. Chicken (laughs) run last week. Oh, my God. Oh, that's fitting. And I was so convinced of this and then in year 12 I think – I used a word in an essay and oh my, my teacher was like, oh, use this word instead. And then I was like, oh, the bird? Like he used the word bygone, like a bygone era. I was like, oh, like the bird, like a bygone. <laughs> like the era like, of birds. He was like, <laughs> he was like what? And I was like, and this is year 12 for VCE. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, the, you know, like the phrase, like let the bird, like let bygones be bygone. <laughs> I for oh years God. and years and years. I had no idea. I was so convinced. And I literally went on a mad, like, Google. I was like, there is a bird called a bygone. So convinced. I can picture it in my head still. Oh, my God. The movie, yes, so sure. Was believing I. that there's a kind of bird called a bygone and no bygone. one else in the world. So so <laughs> it literally rocked me that this wasn't a thing this whole time. But I don't think there's enough of a difference between what I thought it meant and what it actually meant. For you me to ever right. say it wrong. If someone were to say, like, let bygones be bygones, in my mind, it's like, let what is be. Right. It which makes is what sense. the phrase means. It makes sense why it's it let it happen. But I just thought it was an actual bird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. That's, Anthony, did you ever have anything like that? Like some really basic thing that you, like, for some reason don't know how to do? Um... Please make me feel uh, better. This man has always <laughs> operated at maximum efficiency. I definitely yeah. had like, you know, I definitely had like words that I'd like said wrong and stuff as like a very young child. Like I said, like effluent and like park hug and like. You have to say what they Car park. Oh, park park. Park 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 instead of elephant. Park. I said, said Navilla for years. I said Little Low Store. Little Low Store. Little Low Store. But that was you just like. Try to play up to mum and dad. Be like, oh, um, can we please go to the movie? Sure. Sure. Like you're in your ten dollar study for your exams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Well, if also if anyone at home, if any of you have some dumb thing that you used yeah, to right do, in. let us know. This is a fun topic. Cool. I feel terrible because I have a couple things I could say. Like, yes. oh, do more, Liz. We want to know more. Do one more. No. One more. <laughs> if I if someone says like, oh yeah, it's on the left, I still have to put my hands up in that little. I like, never make get an this L thing. With your hands. Yeah, <laughs> I've I, never. Our cousin is Louisa like that. I think Louisa is like that. I, like I remember when she was saying that she like was starting like driving lessons and stuff. She was like, oh, like when driving, like when going left, I have to do the thing where with my thumbs I make like an, an L, L to, see to know way, that it's yeah. left. I. Literally, like that's something to me. It's just where, like, because it isn't my experience of knowing that. I'm like, are you literally dumb? Like, does your brain uh, not work? Stupid. <laughs> left is like, left. Left is to the left and right is to the right. Like, how no, do you not know? It's not that? an intuitive thing to me. But like, Eliza, is the are the directions on a compass intuitive to you? Because left is just no. west. 
No, okay. oh my god, they're not intuitive either because I have to go never eat soggy never eat soggy to remember. And it's clockwise, so it goes yeah. like a clock. Oh, but you don't like clocks. <laughs> 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 In the worst possible way, everything circles back to you fully not being able to function. Oh my god, do it. What's the episode, Liza? All right, all right, okay. Um, in honor of me being in LA, I guess this this week yeah. we're doing two LA movies considered both considered some of the best movies about the city ever. The first one is The Big Sleep, and the second one is The Big Lebowski. So you I'm know they're sleepy. both big, big, but also a bit the silly. Big, let's big. go and a little bit better than that. What are we doing first? Big Sleep. We're doing. Let's go chronologically with The Big Sleep because. It, it also, like, quite directly influenced the second movie we're going to do, The Big Lebowski, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's kick it. The Big Sleep is a 1946 film noir, you see, directed by Howard Hawks. <laughs> and it is, it's probably, like, the most revered adaptation or at least the one you think of first when you think of Raymond Chandler detective stories oh yeah and there's, been, oh, there's yeah. been heaps and heaps of movies based on his stuff but this is like the you know the main text the that shit. you would think of oh yeah mm-hmm. yes and I would get into summarizing the plot of this movie but part of Raymond Chandler stories is Incredibly convoluted overplotting that is really, really difficult Way to explain. Just much. like hot damn! Oh my god, my brain really hurts. Yeah. I need that. It's just like a lot of like sexy silliness. No, not silliness, sultriness, and <gasps> a lot of duplicity and oh, trust yeah. no bitch. And what the else? big one that I'm keen to talk to you guys about is like, is the other stuff effective enough that the like how convoluted the plot is sits well with you that you don't mind like, the plot is secondary i don't know yeah i don't know i mean eliza you 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 kicked kick that one off because well, i, I think like you've very well a, picked up yeah. on that. okay well there, i mean there is a very simple like plot that i can ascribe to the whole movie yeah yeah which is just that humphrey bogart plays philip marlowe it's like his most iconic role i think he's like the philip marlowe that you think of and mm. he's a ex-cop private eye who gets commissioned to solve a mystery by some rich old guy and he has these two sexy daughters who both like really want to ride Humphrey Bogart and then <laughs> that mystery of being set up on that um that job by this rich guy snowballs into this really complicated story of gamblers and like dirty photos and blackmail and the story is in fact so complicated that Mm. Bogart and the director contacted Raymond Chandler, the author of the original text, to ask, hey, this random character in the story, like, you never find out if he committed suicide or killed himself. Like, what happens? Like, it gets explained, but we don't get it. Mm. And Raymond Chandler just said back, like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, the author doesn't know what the hell he's talking about either. So. That's a, a, been a big interesting thing for me reading up for this one is, like, I thought, like, I think a common thing for us with, like, you know, we look at films from all throughout time for, like, this show is, like, I hadn't seen this before. And looking at it, I was like, oh, boy, like, I wish I had a 
you know, 1945 mind for this movie, right. you know, mm. where I, it could really, like, I could perceive it yeah. really well and really, like, like, oh, wow, that's reference to that, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, like, all throughout history, this is known as this, like, really mystifying film, mm. like, really, like, a lot of the early reviews even are so interesting um, and a lot of them speak about how it's, like, this nightmare blur mist, <laughs> like, it literally just, like, washes over you kind of. And I'm interested that a lot of people feel that it's mostly an asset because it kind of is for me in that, like, what works best for me in this film is, like, every one of those elements that we attribute to, like, noir to me is so enhanced noir. here by, like, how effective... Mm how like effectively it's like expressed in the filmmaking and the performances. Like to me, like the element of like sex and romance in this mm. film is like yeah. steamy as fuck for the time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there are so many like subtle moments of like. It's in its subversion Yeah, as well. like as Humphrey yeah. Bogart like looks away, like a character will like bite their lip and it like, it yeah. feels so authentic. It's all just resistance. And it's all like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you really feel those bits that you kind of like when you feel yourself really on the back foot and the movie's pushing forward, yeah. you kind of always want to keep with it. Whereas, yeah. like, I know my go-to reaction when I feel mm. like I'm distanced from exactly what's going on is to, like, pull away. Mm. But you kind of do just want to keep on the train, yeah. which doesn't usually happen when you're confused. Um, a lot of the reviews I read of this from the time and recent ones say, like a lot of cops or like detectives really love Raymond Chandler because what he gets mm. at about crime and detective work is that it is so weird and messy and unsatisfying. Mm. Like you so rarely mm. have this satisfying There's never the good story guy, bad guy. Yeah. 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 And, but it's like seductive enough that you want to keep asking questions and like yeah. part yeah. of like having the these amazing that. girls that always want to get together with the hero is like they put you in his position where you're like, oh my god, I need to know more about this woman, like this mysterious person, this weird situation, mm. like, mm. and mm. but the only thing it can end in is you being like, wow, I got beaten off and I lost a lot of money and I have no more mm. answers. And like, I'm just yeah, I'm a dope. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, we talked a little bit about like there were noir elements too in the Mouth of Madness, which we watched a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about that film is the idea of like, I love. It's very attributed to like. Like anything that's like investigatory, like mm. mystery of like halfway through our tale, the hero realizes that it's not really about them saving the day anymore. It's just about mm. like them getting to the end of it. Getting like out they're just alive. like the end game is in sight. You know, yeah. like it's just like the plot happens to them yeah. rather than they kind of pushing yeah. it. You know, like they're not the master. That's a big thing throughout this like movie. Yeah, a big thing throughout the movie is Humphrey Bogart being like. I keep on realizing too late that I'm behind yeah. everyone else. Like yeah. that as, as I soon, figure it out, yeah. the you know, the the gambler is ahead of me or the the mob boss like has figured it out before me or like is they're yeah. always one step ahead. It's Can really I have hearing. either of you read The Big Sleep? Yes, the you're right novel? in the middle of it, aren't I you, Meg? I finished it now. I started oh, right. it a, a couple of weeks ago and then I sort of was reading a couple of things and decided just to like knuckle down and finish this one mm. before I watched the movie. Yeah. Because I wanted to see how like my impressions of it differed. I find it easier to consume as a novel because there is something so, um, obviously it's so smart and clever, this, you know, pitter patter of the era. It is so of a bygone era that like we do have that really dense back and forth. It's so quick. You're going to miss moments every single time you see this on every viewing, you're picking up more and more just the more used to how, you know, the the 
the vernacular and how they speak and interact with another, even just like how they relate with, you know, each other romantically or sexually, like the whole resistance thing instead of like, like it's a very passive sort of sexual tension as opposed to like active. Yeah. So becoming used to that, it's hard on a, on, well, I've only seen this film once. So on on a one viewing, that's really hard to, to grasp. Whereas like reading it, it's just like a slower burn. So you, you can sort of, when you, it, it's not as if like you're reading it and you feel like you are caught up the entire time. Yeah. You're still in um, Philip Marlowe's shoes where it's like, I am always one step behind, but at least it's not because it's just such a dense text that you're like, what are they saying? I like, think that's such a big you know distinction. I mean? Yeah, that's so true, Meg. I was thinking, as you were talking to Sen, I realised I'm like, the most recent time that a crime film it made me realize how hard it is to de- like because the best crime and like mystery as particularly of this like real like this is like noir and what I'm about to say is more like who done it but like you want your mystery to be densely plotted and you want to feel behind yeah the get go but you don't want to feel behind like the characters in the sense mm, of like you, well. yeah you know what I mean you don't want to just be like oh I'm behind because I've missed it it's like I want to be behind because that's the intention of the film. Like I want to yeah. be behind like Philip Marlowe is not like yeah. a viewer so in the 21st century. I was thinking like is. Knives yeah. Out is a film that really adeptly yeah, like constantly keeps you in check with what you should know mm. so that you feel like you you have the pieces. Mm. Whereas I never feel, felt like I had the pieces at all to like begin yeah. figuring it out here. I felt like I yeah. would like solve a thing like yeah. As Who's another seen, thing was yeah. being brought up and I'd be like, oh, that oh, thing, that. right, cool. And you can't really – but the thing with yeah. Knives Out in contrast with this film is that it – like Knives Out does that in a very overtly expositional way. It's constantly signposting. It oh. wants you – it wants to flag It wants you at. to play this along. This is this chapter. It's wanting yeah. you like almost like a board game, like now we're here. Totally. This yeah. film does not want that. Neither does the novel. It doesn't really want you – you know, even Raymond Chandler being like, I don't actually know what happened to that character – we're never ever supposed to really know. And it is so dissatisfying. But like you said, Eliza, like a lot of these um, detectives and, you know, people in the police force and stuff, that's why they like these texts because they're kind of like, it's never going to be a big heroic payoff. Mm. We're never going to come, you mm. know, everything comes together. There'll always be that mystery. Um, yeah. Whether it's literally just in the most minute things, yeah. like the relationship or totally. you know, Lauren Bacall's character, like what is her intrigue yeah. and stuff like that but yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that, it's that, a, sorry I'll ask you Eliza sorry <laughs> I was just gonna say it's a lot of what I love about noir I think like I after a depression and after a world war it's a mm. studio system kind of grappling with uh morality that's less black and white and being like wow what if our hero kind of doesn't know what the fuck is happening and yeah, like just like the rest what of if that extends yeah. to the audience like mm. it's mm. a very disorienting and like frustrating experience yeah. What does this film say about LA? Hmm. I think yeah, it's the think- idea, like a lot of, um, like what, kind of what we've picked up on in the idea of like your hero isn't the hero there. Like kind of just like it, he feels like weathered just like by like the city and his surroundings mm. and by these characters. And he feels like around every corner is another person that's like, you know, made a bunch of mistakes and is like probably doing a lot of things wrong. Mm. Um, I, it just it just feels like it paints a world where like everyone's kind of just looking out for themselves and trying to get by. Mm. And if you get caught in the 
like the if you get caught in the scope of mm. someone's like self interest, then you're gonna you're gonna lose out. That's and kind of what I so do we think that the location lends itself to that, or is it bigger than that? Is it like LA is the well, the noir sensibilities of this are like my oh. favorite parts as well, and I feel like noir is like commonly associated to like. LA. The city of angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, but especially because like, and it's routinely readapted and reappropriated in other ways. You know, if yeah. you think about this, you can just so easily like run down the list of films that we're attaching to this LA city of angels yeah. noir, the you know subversion of sex and gender yeah. and criminality and morality and how they live. Totally, yeah. Speak to each other. Yeah. Well, Liz, being being in LA, like, mm, how do you? Yeah. yeah. What do you take from it? I mean, it happens in Big Lebowski as well, but I think the amount of time yeah. they spend in a car in this movie is very LA. Like the idea that yeah. you can't really like walk and just bump into people. Like you always have to be driving from like suburb to suburb yeah. and like mm-hmm. just how many like serious or like romantic conversations happen in a car backseat or front seat, I found really authentic. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think another thing that might clear up why this movie feels so episodic and like, like a lot of it feels like it doesn't really matter is because Chandler um, came up with the structure for The Big Sleep by just cramming together a bunch of his short stories. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of really tell. Where it's like, mm. oh, wait, so is he off that case now? Like mm. the case that the rich guy at the start of the film sets him on, at some point you totally forget about it. And you're like, oh, oh okay, I guess that episode yeah. of, in this film yeah. is over. Yeah, Like it's such, yeah, it's very trippy for like a big studio release to – kind of expect mm. you to just stop caring about stuff very abruptly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it with, like, comparing the picks and stuff, I guess. I just go, like, my favourite things about this film, I usually am charmed by something that's quite, like, the quality The quality of it is more, like, dreamlike and it, like, washes over you a bit. But yeah. this time I found that, like, the main benefits in this are qualities of a noir that I just love that I get in my other favourite noirs, but they also, like, the Mm. way the plot functions supports that. Like, here, like, my favourite part of the movie is, like, Bogart. Like, I just find him, I find everything he said, like, all all his, like, witty, like, one-liners are, like, so packed and, like, they're, like, little action movies, every line he Mm. says, you know. Um, And I think, like, the smoke and mist and stuff, all that stuff appeals to me the most, but I go, like, double indemnity and, like, you know, probably I haven't seen it for a while, so I probably shouldn't say, but like Maltese Falcon, which I've been meaning to rewatch as well. I remember, but Double Indemnity is a film where I think like it does all of those and like the function of its plot, like equally just yeah. like lifts it up as well, you know, know which I Big Sleep doesn't do for me. I guess that, that kind of like wash effect yeah. did, really didn't work for me with Big Sleep. I think the Big Sleep wow. ambiguity is, much more authentic to what Nawawa speaks to. Like it just Good point. Yeah. feels like when if I were to compare if this were like it doesn't care about comparing this and double much, indemnity, yeah. like yeah, double indemnity says a lot about a lot of things to do with film noir, but it can't because by virtue of the fact that it like it solves the case, even though not in a very like heroic way. Sorry, I know we're not really talking about double indemnity here, but that just doesn't you know, where the big sleep says like we can't really solve this because there's nothing to be completely solved because it's, it's not all black mess. and white. Yeah, It's shades of grey, as with the film with. itself, yeah. in shades of grey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which are our endearing qualities of the film. And, like, this chat has made me th- view the film in a, like, 
like I have noticed like, yeah, I did see those things in it. And I also think it's been great to like observe and bring to light what it is about the film that kind of like kept me with it so much to the end, even though I felt so, I felt so detached whilst so equally like right there with these people, you know? I wonder if you need to read the book maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think you would really enjoy reading it, Noah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. A thing that the book does not have that this movie has that I think is a real anchoring element of it is the central romance of yeah, Rogie and Bacall. Yeah, romance between them. Yeah, like yeah it does the, feel quite yeah. late in the film. But, but in the book you never so get the sexy. sense. Yeah, you never think Vivian is like the one or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the movie, yeah. watching them like inside the text and being like, wow, she's amazing. Like they, But then also you know, they really outside have of it. Yeah, and then being yeah. like, oh my God, they were like getting together yeah. in real life at this point. Like at that is... Time. Such That's like up true crazy. Hollywood, like yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. like chemical magic or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, true. totally. Wow, Whew, shall it. we swim forward? Like, um, how many years, years is that? Forty. Oh, Eliza can't count as well. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being exposed. Forty-six to ninety-eight. That's freaking. So how many ages. years is that, Eliza? Um, let's watch the Big Lebowski. Let's talk about movies. A thing I know and feel secure in. <laughs> okay, let's do it. The Big Lebowski is a 1998 noir comedy, I'm going to say, by the Coen brothers. Love it. And mm. it's about the dude played by Jeff Bridges, whose real name is Jeffrey Lebowski. And that means that he gets mixed up in the business dealings and this crazy hostage situation that another man mm. called Jeffrey Lebowski is involved in, The Big Lebowski. Um, I want to start by asking, did you guys like this movie when you first watched it? No, that's such a big point of this one for me no, as I well. Yes. In that, like every time you watch the Big Lebowski, uh, this is my personal experience. You love it a yes, little more, it gets or you more like and it more. Healthy. It does, like- and it literally the exact reason. I think it's the most interesting mm-hmm. compared to ever because the exact reasons that the Big Sleep, it's washing over quality, doesn't work in me for that movie for as much. It work does here because like. The lead, like the dude, is like a fucking stoner. Like he yeah. literally in that in the Big Lebowski, the plot is just happening to him yeah. at every turn. The, in the plot's same completely way that it is inconsequential. For, for yeah, totally. But like, I, I just feel like every time I watch this, I get more. It, it's a big one for me now. If, you know, I think a lot of people talk about it like we talk about Shawshank or mm. Forrest Gump. In that, like, you turn on TV and there's a bit, and you're like, oh, this bit, I like this scene, and then. The next thing you're like, oh, this bit, this is a great bit. And then you just watch the whole movie. Mm, yeah. Like it's kind of, it's so interesting how um, we've all kind of, yeah, noticed that like yeah. throughout time, the more you watch it, the more comfy you get with it. This film so plainly, as with most Coen Brothers films, belongs to the cult cinema. Like it, it's quotability, like it's referentiality, yeah. even, you know, Julianne Moore, Jeff Bridges, like um, – Bashemi, like the fact that we're drawing on these recognizable faces in idiosyncratic roles with quotable lines that sort of you can't catch the first time, but the second or third time you're hearing 
the dudes say, you know, like, hey, man, I almost spilled my beverage or whatever. And there's something stupidly funny about yeah. it, but you're not going to laugh out loud about it, but you're going to remember it. And then if someone says like, oh, have you seen The Big Lebowski? You're going to quote it in a weird way. Like there is something so strange and like stickable about this film, yeah. but not on the first watch. I just love that. Yeah, it captures the spirit of noir in the most unconventional way, almost yeah. in a way that's so unconventional that's worked on me across like time, yeah. like mm. across like decades, you yeah. know, I think, a, a decade. Um, this movie, as Meg just said, it has a massive cult following. It even has its own yeah. religion, dudism. Religion, yeah. Yeah. And you can get baptised online and join the faith mm-hmm. and become like a dudist priest. Mm-hmm. And I think part of why people have this like spiritual connection to it is because the movie almost teaches you how to latch on to its ethos. Like yeah. the first time I watched this movie, I I feel like I was already like a Cohen fan, I guess. Like I'd seen... Mm probably their big like serious movies and I was like oh this is the one that everyone loves and watching it I was like this is goofy as fuck this is so shrill great Mm. dream sequence but like so unsatisfying yeah and the more and more you watch it you're forced to see it through the dude's eyes where it's like no like we're literally here just to have fun and like the harder you try to latch on to meaning in this world, the more the you will get it on. Gonna look, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more they're just like fuck you, like this and is I, yeah. just a stupid character. And, that's and the movie, the movie was definitely criticized when it came out for people saying, mm. "What the fuck? He didn't learn anything at the end. Like this is bad screenwriting. What about the structure? Like the dude mm. at the end of the movie, he's like just exactly where he started. And it's like that's the message. It's that at the start of the movie, his rug got pissed on." And normally and every other day of his life, yeah. every other day of yeah. his life, he would be like, oh, well, but this time his friends riled him up enough that he got into trouble and acted undudely. And the yeah. end of the movie is being like, no, you should have just accepted it. Like that's the world. Just Someone will piss it. on yeah. your rug and that's like, yeah. It's like a hopelessly complex plot that's like ultimately like, in, mm. like it's ultimately like, what was the point? Like, yeah. you know, in this the end, film, it, it didn't need to happen at all. Exactly. Like unimportant. And it's it's almost enough that this is just like it's stacked with heavyweights who like pack a punch in their performances. It's got like so much, so much to say about literally nothing that you walk <laughs> away from it. Just kind of yeah. like, what was that? Yeah. Um, it's literally just the dude's perspective. And the more you're right, you, the more you try and like read into that, the more uncomfortable you're going to be in your viewing. Um like, I, I don't know. know. There's something about this film that's like, and it wasn't as if I was watching it like the first time when I watched it in preparation for this episode, but it was sort of that thing of being like, oh, yeah, like I when I watched this film the first time, I really didn't like it, but I did want to see it again. Or not even yeah. that I didn't like it, but I was just kind of like, what was this trying to say? I kind of thought, I was like, this would pair so well with Zodiac. Like <laughs> Zodiac <laughs> is like a noir that's literally all about that thing of like when the puzzle is just it just doesn't too fit. hard. It's like we it's just, just can't like, get it. No matter what, as as each day passes, it's going to become more impossible. And this and no matter like, what, no matter how intelligent okay. you are, <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, and I literally just go like, miserable. yeah, it's like Zodiac is like you. By the time you realize you've given it too much, it's too late. Yeah. Whereas the Big Lebowski is like, just don't like exactly. <laughs> Therefore, do not do it. Like, just hang out, do your thing, like, mm. and that's what's best. And like, I think. I think, yeah, as we've said, like, it functions. I think we should speak to, like, a lot of that, like, iconography and, like, the quotes and, like, the funny bits that fill out this random world. Like, I remember the first mm. time I watched it, I thought that um, John uh, Turturro? 
Oh, yeah, Totoro. Jesus. He, like, yeah. I thought that his character would be such a bigger part of it. He plays no. this guy called he's just the Jesus who is just covered in like purple and like licks his bowling ball. Um, and like he's really weird. It's literally just like to fill out this weird, like idiosyncratic, yeah. like cr- crazy world yeah. that feels so random and lived in. Speaking yeah. of that character, there's a spin off this year coming out uh, about just that character. That has like John Leguizamo, Leguizamo, no John Turturro. Turturro. I think it's John Leguizamo. Um, asked the Coen Brothers for like the rights for the character to just do mm. his own version of it, of mm. like a story with that character, and apparently it's really bad. Oh, uh, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, I feel it's very, very bad. This, the more that I that we speak now, the more I'm able to see these films back to back. The more I'm able to like recognize, even just in its episodic nature it's sort of like just like the short memory of the film like knowing where the film begins and ends it has the world of the film has such a short memory because we lose sight of the fact that he literally just wanted a new rug because of a misunderstanding and then got tied into this whole thing and now there are so many characters and it's just like these little vignettes that have just been shoved together to create Mm. an entire world in the context of this bizarre LA City of Angels and it yeah. is kind of noir but the thing about this film that the big sleep doesn't or well the big sleep in earnest achieves this sexiness and the big Lebowski sort of parody parodies it whilst appropriating it for the purpose of just like augmenting how abstract and bizarre it is like it's mm. like you know the sexuality of it being like a porn industry thing in there are these like porn actors and stuff or there's this sex tape that they're trying to track down and ransom money to do with these thugs who are associated with this person and that person. Like that is like times 10 of the resistance and play on sex in the big sleep. And I think it, it says more about this bizarre world than the big sleep does about like mm. LA or whatever. You, yeah, it's definitely respect. the sense of LA. I feel much yeah. more in this. You yeah. can definitely feel that the Coens were just like, okay, how do you like noir up 90s LA? And it's like, okay, all of mm. our characters have to have some weird backstory where like they've had real commercial success, yeah. but they're also like art freaks and they're really yeah. sad and like they want like really they're just kind of all losers like Maud Lebowski yeah. Julianne Moore she's like amazing yeah. but she's also mm. really pretentious and has like nothing to do with the main plot and like yeah. the nihilists yeah. like Peter Stormare and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm. and stuff like yeah. the detail that they used to basically have a Kraftwerk-esque band and like that they yeah. made the album art for it is literally just like Oh, anything that you can latch onto in this movie, every single detail is just a joke. Like it's so an interesting yeah. thing that like <laughs> it's just not stuck out to me this uh, this time as well. Though was like that such a distinct part of the like idiosyncratic, like idiosyncratic, like weird, slightly disorienting style is that it's also like weirdly retro and vintage at yes. so many points. Like mm. so much of the, the style bowling. and design and like bowling, bowling exactly yeah. bowling. Like weird, it's so like, interesting character. It's so dense in and its that, like all of that, like John Goodman yeah. is like so stuck in the past, like yeah. never shuts the fuck up about Vietnam and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, that is yeah. It's just such an interesting little detail. I admire the Coen Brothers so much for how their entire filmography has something to say about 
like where it's borrowing from, like what it's inspired by. Like they are not afraid to say that they're going to appropriate the shit out of other texts and other contexts. And like, you know, it's just like, if we think about like Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink and then this film, like they're, they all have something to say about such different worlds. And at the same time, they all come together to paint. this just like mural of a bizarre perspective that these two brothers share. Like honestly, if, even though I hate auteur theory, but if we're going to think about it, like I admire this film and the entire filmography for that so much, you know? Yeah, totally. Mm. Wow. I I really didn't. Sorry, Sorry, you go. Um, Yeah. I love that point about saying like, you kind of don't know when the movie's set, like, with this weird, like, timeless, but also, like, trying to be really timely with, like, Saddam as the bowling guy in the dream or whatever. Yeah. I think, like, the fact that this movie also, like, has this weird Western flair with, like, Sam Elliott narrating and the opening images, like, the tumbleweed rolling <gasps> yes, through Los Angeles. in the supermarket, yeah. yeah. Where, like, to, I don't know, I feel like Western and noir are, like, pretty obviously, like, totally antithetical to each other. But then, and, like, again, so steeped in what they are. Yeah, but it like it does have this little Western, I don't know, streak yeah. to it, being about like a lone hero or whatever. And I just yeah, love totally. that. And, and, and like the stranger yeah. and the, yeah. the voiceover thing as well. Yeah. And I like, like that you at can the end. See... Sorry, go on. <laughs> you go, you go. I, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, you can see the dude being like, you know, John Wayne in the searches or something. Yeah. That whole mm. anti-hero thing. Yeah. yeah. I just love that at the end of the movie, he just summarizes it and he's like, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you, so sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right. Wow, we sound pretty positive on both films, but I reckon mm, when we yeah. compare the picks, I'll be able to, I think I can guess what we're all going to land on, honestly. Yeah. Let's, let's get to it. it. Okay, now it's time to choose which of these big City of Angels movies, noir movies, did its job better. Um, should we, did, What were some of the other weird similarities you guys noticed in these films? Because both have a rich wheelchair guy and they both mm-hmm. have like pornographers yeah. as part of the plot mm-hmm. of both of them. Mm-hmm. And that driving, lots of driving, car yeah. chasing, um, smoking. It's the whole family um, betrayal like more and the like her. paying someone to do a job that's actually not really the job you like that's yeah. actually not really like you, you're paying someone to do a task and then you you have like deceit around what the task is or like yeah. what you actually want from it mm. it's kind of involved in both of them you know yes mm. i also wanted to ask in both movies because they both have very even just superficially very complicated plots, what were the yeah. points in these movies where you were like, oh, my God, I give up? Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Big for Sleep me- was, like, <laughs> early. But honestly, for me, Big Sleep was when it was because I recognised very early on that the actual, like, moment-to-moment dialogue and, like, character dynamics were working enough for me mm. that I didn't mind the wash of it more. Yeah. For me, I would literally say in Big Sleep it was... um the bookstore scene so like oh. 
Humphrey Bogart goes to Geiger's bookstore yeah. and then she it's like really like stuck up and like they're like he they, they just are like get out of here essentially because he's trying to get some information. So he goes across the street and essentially it's just him being like, yo, I'm going to hide out here so I, so I can wait to um until Geiger leaves his store across the street and I can tail him home. And instead of it just being that, it's like this flirty, sexy thing with the bookstore like clerk and it is like so hot mm, and I was like yeah. oh I can just follow like this like I can get behind this and that that was my point honestly that's when I dropped out right <laughs> just because you were like yeah I'm fine let's drop out I was like that's <laughs> fine yeah <laughs> literally I was like that, yeah, is so, kinda, that is so hot I mean you brought it up quickly but we like the big sleep is incredibly horny for like a Hayes right? film. So like every single end, woman, and it's like I you believe like I never it. got how hum- I never got how Humphrey Bogart is like this sex symbol here. I was like, he has game, like he I really guess. does. Yeah. I think it's just that he doesn't pressure them that much. He's literally just like, hey, I'm available, I'm here, and they're all just like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he has a sexy yeah. like female cabbie, like cab driver. Yeah, um, exactly the cab driver. Yeah, exactly those little details. Yeah. So yeah. true. And like that he gets tied up at the end in this like kinky way. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, guys, calm down. What is going on here, guys? And, and Get laid. I like. guess for Lebowski, it's a thing of like, as we've all said, a few, uh, like being not my first watch now, being, I don't know, maybe like my fourth or my third or something. Mm. Um, this time it's really the thing of like, I knew that maybe like with each wash, with each watch, it had washed over me more effectively <laughs> and I'd gotten it. But when you know that it's a movie about nothing, essentially, I don't know, I kind of knew to check out pretty early. Yeah, for me, um, in Big Lebowski, I always check out when he's listening to Credence in his car and he finds the kid's homework. Or he'd like, um, then I'm always <laughs> like, like, oh, my the God, car. I don't remember <laughs> what this is related to. Like, oh, I always got confused about when, like, the neighbour, like, destroys the car? It's because well, it's because he thinks that okay, the car right. belongs to the kid. He thinks that the kid has stolen money. the okay. car. Yeah. And he's stolen their money, but it's literally just the neighbors had a nice car. God, oh, well, John Goodman is like a national treasure. Oh, so good. That's 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 the, cleanest, the, the, the scene where he goes crazy like, Does anybody know what the like doesn't mm. nobody anybody care about what the fucking rules are anymore? Yeah. That is like the cleanest, like you could just enter the movie, watch that watch scene, her, yeah. and leave. Yeah, like, in terms like, of like, it is so funny, I know that clean, really perfect, well. hilarious. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I don't know. I think, I think if we think about these films, if we think about their execution, I think you're right, Noah. The wash of the big Lebowski is more successful and comfortable in, yeah. a, in its viewing. That's my statement for the episode. Because yeah. it's not as if the big sleep doesn't do that well it just doesn't do that as obviously I suppose you don't get to the end of the big sleep and be like oh they didn't really want me to get it you get to the end of the big sleep and being like hmm, I wonder if I'm supposed to know what that meant I think there's an intention mm. behind like as we talk about, like what do these films want to accomplish I think there's an intention behind the wash in both of them and I think I enjoy the wash purpose of Big Lebowski which is like mm. the idea is that it's like Nothing really matters. You should kind of weirdly so pseudo Buddhism or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas in The Big Sleep, it's more like dangerous mm-hmm. and like hazardous. And it's, it's like cynical kind if of If you distancing. get inside this, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like if you get inside this, you're trapped and like you are a part of it now. You're like irrevocable, like, you know, you're linked to this now. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole movie is people being like, we tried to like pay you off. We tried to like his character essentially being told like, 
drop it, drop it, drop it, drop mm, it. Because mm. um, it drop is that it thing low. of like, drop it like a tart. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Fatty, stickerino. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, get out while you yeah. can, you know? Yeah. And uh, mm. that wash, to me, it's more like because it's supposed to be more grating for Philip Marlowe. That's his mm. name, right? Marlo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's still great, but um, yeah. As I identified, I think I think in Lebowski, it's like not just great. I think it's like the best choice. I think it's like really yeah. effective and clever, and it's unique. And yeah, I love that. I think <laughs> I agree. I think it's pretty evident, but I'm voting for Lebowski, baby. Ooh. Yeah, me too. I'm voting for the big Lebowski. I'm just gonna say it. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean. <laughs> The yeah, Big Sleep up, is one of my favourite noirs and, mm. like, I'm really indebted to it. Like, movies that, Meg, I think you were almost about to talk about before, like Mulholland Drive, Under the Silver Lake, Inherent Vice. Yeah. Everything yeah. that yeah. The Big Sleep and Chandler has inspired, like, somehow is they're all amazing, and they're all among my yeah. favourite movies. Yeah. But yeah. When I- they all play on the same themes of identity yeah. and duplicity and trust and mistrust and, like, yeah, where and to place like, your trust. Sure, and all and in on- a similar world, but all in very different eras too. It's like, how are they doing this in a very like um, almost like, yeah, retro way whilst also being timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I think he's like from really beast, groundbreaking. Yeah. And like while rewatching like beyond his books or the story, rewatching this movie, there were so many little details that I didn't pick up the first times I've seen it. Like I love um, when they're at the casino or no, they're at like a, a bar, this restaurant, and Vivian sings this song. And the first times I saw the movie, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just showing off that Lauren Bacall has like a beautiful like alto voice. Yeah. But watching it this time, she sings this song about like domestic abuse. And it's yeah. like, how? Like, did you listen to yeah. the lyrics? And it's like, boy, that baby could cry when he slides. Oh, my God, no, I did not. Yeah. And it's like, oh, sweet. Like, that is kind of what this movie's all like all about like this weird mm. underbelly where it's like do you actually want to know what's happening what's underneath your city on. like what you it must be know. like yeah to be a detective yeah. and be like oh shit i gotta like uncover like how awful even the glamorous uh, yeah. parts of this world an like and stuff. An, an, an absence in um this noir is i feel like quite a common thing with like la mysteries is like the more like hollywood movie presence thing which mm. i think speaks to that idea well which is this thing that like it's ironic that like LA is all about making movies and make like make believe because it's like you don't want to know what goes on behind the scenes and yeah. like yeah. in the underbelly, you know. Like it's all make like, believe. That's a big presence. It's all make believe in yeah. this town, you know. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. But I'm basically just gassing up the big sleep and saying how much it slaps <laughs> yeah. because I'm going with Big Lebowski as well. Uh, I think yay. it is the movie I would more eagerly watch like right now. Yeah. It's yeah. so we comfy. haven't had a clean sweep for a while. Yeah, that's true. I must agree. I should say also, people should, like, read up on, like, there's so much funny behind-the-scenes stuff with The Big Lebowski. Like, it's such an interesting one. And there's so much about, like, the making of it and stuff. And um, even just, like, there's so much talk about. um, I think it's really interesting to see how precise it is to make something that feels so, like, stonery. Like, there's so much – it's the Coen Brothers. Like, there's so much precision around it. I found a very interesting um, quote about – them being like, we never gave Jeff Bridges any direction. The only consistent thing we did is before every scene, we would walk up to him and be like, do you think he burnt one out before he came here? And he'd be like, <laughs> yes or no. And if he said yes, then he'd go and like rub his eyes and then come back. And that's <laughs> oh, right. That was the only direction he ever got. <laughs> was like, I did love- he get high on the way? <laughs> <laughs> I think I love in like every Coleman Brothers movie is when you look up the like making of 
it's always like, this cast member really strongly didn't want to cut their hair and the Coens made them get this stupid haircut, like, for the movie. Like, they did John Goodman to, said that to this. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I really don't want to wear that goatee. And they're like, you have to. They made Brad Pitt have stupid hair. They made, like, Javier Bardem get his hair cut into, like, this hideous hairstyle. And it's like, I think it's literally just, like, they think it's funny and want to torture, they just like, want to fuck with everyone's haircut. Like, famous actors yeah. and be like, ha, ha, do this to them. <laughs> Like, I don't think it's even for the movies that much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Funny. I think let's let's them up to the attic and bowl a little bit with our little little triplet. Just want to bowl the bros. Let's do it. Just bowl the bros. Bowl the bros. Bowl the bros. for triplet in the attic where we each pick a third piece of media could be a song could be a bowling ball and yeah just anything that you think acts as a cool little addition to make this double feature into a triple feature um Noah would you like to start I'd love to I had a really clean one for uh, for this one today actually in fact we've all been saying the title of it the whole episode. Ooh. Big. Three million people in the City of Angels. Oh. This is uh. City of Angels. It's boring. Like, you were going to say it, big. How is that boring? I it's thought a you were going to say. Oh, big. The movie Big. No, that's boring. Yeah. Okay, come on. We're just, we're just, we've been saying City of Angels the whole episode. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an amazing musical, pretty like openly regarded as like one of the most underrated musicals of all time. Just randomly, like it should be in like the lexicon of everyone should know City of Angels. Mm. Um. It's a, yeah, so it's a musical with music by Cy Coleman, who did like Sweet Charity. Um, Sweet Charity. And it essentially, <laughs> the plot of the show is, it's like a dual plot. It weaves together the story of uh, this uh, writer who writes like a series of detective, novel, of detective novels and he's adapting his first, like one of his most famous of that series into his first screenplay. And then the other part of the show is the screenplay itself, which is like a noir. So like you, one part of the show is like, you know, the Hollywood, the classic Hollywood LA story um, of, you know, the city chewing up like a young artist and spitting them out again. And then the other is like a classic, like Venetian blinds, like dames and like femme fatales and like gamblers and stuff like story. Um, and I just think it is the coolest, like, obviously being like a music theater boy, like so much music theater is just like so dumb and like, (laughs) and, um, it's one of the coolest pieces of music theater I ever found, especially like it aligns so much with my interests. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's Mm -hmm. like such a cinematic show. And it has the most incredible score, like the most, like Anthony would dig it. It has like the most complex, like cool, like scat. It has like lots yeah, of scat. Yeah, it has lots of like. It's like It's so cool, and it has like it just has beautiful music, and uh, I would recommend it to literally anyone. City wow. of Angels. Wow! Remember in um, Big Fat Liar how he says, "Welcome to Los Angeles." Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I love that iconic. Meg, what about you? Scrubs. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm picking a film. I I had okay. I was umming and ahhing about picking one or the other. One film I very much prefer over the other, 
and it has my favorite last line of any film ever, but it is directed by a real piece of shit. So then I was like, oh, do I go with Mulholland Drive? Which yes. is yeah. very great. That's an Lynch, character. love it, but I just don't love it as much as as Chinatown. Yeah. Chinatown oh, all right, all right, all right. ends with the line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. And that, that captures to a lot me, of captures everything that we've been speaking about. This whole amorality, the you know, shades What's of gray. What's even the point of it at all? Yeah, exactly. It's the shades you of know gray what, Jake, of this let bygones be bygones. <laughs> let bygones be bygones is what I've been saying. Let the birds be the birds. It is um, a neo-noir mystery film. It's directed by a real piece of shit, Roman Polanski. Yeah, but I watched Rosemary's not, Baby the other day. Did you say that? We do not back the man. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we do back Jack Nicholson, my one of my favourite actors. We love a crazy bitch and that's Faye Dunaway. And this movie <laughs> just, she's psycho. And this so movie, <laughs> that's all she gets on her wiki page. It's like, we, crazy. Love, we love a crazy bitch. bitch. <laughs> um, and it just, it plays so well into the whole idea of the underbelly of, you know, criminality, amorality, the black and white and the shades of grey in between and it plays on the resistance and the resisting of like sexuality and, and it, it, it's it's messed up but it's crazy good. Mm. And I'm sorry good but I'm going to recommend it. Love it. But, um, you know, Love watch it, it illegally because we don't endorse Rome Don't yet. pay for that, boy. Do not pay. <laughs> All right, oh, thank you all. Wow. I mean, I was like ragged on about how much I love noir and like you guys both picked really good noir-y things and I'm picking The Big Snit because it's a animated short film. I don't film. know what the fuck that is. Yeah, is it's just a good short film, okay? It's just a little short. All right. And it's about, <laughs> it's about a couple, it's this little animated couple and they're trying to play Scrabble and they just have like a marital little argument and... Um, then they like make up. So it's, it's literally like four minutes or something. It's very short. Um, the big short, more like it. Am I right? Oh, that's another one. Yeah. (laughs) Aren't you guys glad I didn't recommend that one? You guys always rag on me for watching that movie. Meg, I feel like some of the movies you like, it's literally just like you get them and no, and I don't. So you're like, it's great. It's just, I understand them. Should I hold it over you? And (laughs) I just watch it in public areas in our house. I've said that on the the podcast before, right? Like stock movies. Global financial crisis, bitches. (laughs) Stock movies. Gangster movies. A lot of gangster movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I once dated this guy that tried to explain the big short to me on like three of the dates we went on. And every time I was like, we did it for a while. And every time I was like, dude, you've told me before. Like I get that you get the global financial crisis, but he also wouldn't talk about it as if it was, like he would talk about it like it was the plot of the movie. He wouldn't talk about it <laughs> like, like it was an actual occurrence. You're like this happened. He's like they <laughs> call this funny. place Wall Street. So and when you look at it, it's a big wall. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, what, what is this short film, Eliza? Oh, it's just like it's just really cutely animated, like goofy little '80s animation, and it's just like a couple having an argument and then making up. And in the background, there's like footage of like nuclear war happening and at the end they die and they're like oh well i love you <laughs> like it's very pure and there's That's really cute. good voice acting and for some reason their cat has the voice of like an adult man and at one point they step on the cat and it just goes ah <laughs> it really makes me laugh <laughs> it's really funny that <laughs> sounds yeah, really good it's really good. nice like good it's one, just the big, the big. Name. 
that. Oh, this is so indie and cool. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, gosh. you always find some random thing that we don't. No one gave us a musical. I gave everyone just like yeah. a very well-known film, and yeah. Eliza was like, "I'm so it's a <laughs> little, little indie short bit. Film. It's from 1985. It's oh, animated. Yeah. Well, hopefully, being um, in LA, I become like way more basic, and like I just lose all taste and become this like homogenized like. <laughs> I mean, blonde. I'm hoping so. Like, I'm really hoping person. so. That'd be helpful for us. Yeah. Why? Me specifically. Then, and make our I'm taste sound really complex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chinatown That's is true. so complex. You've probably never heard of it. Yeah. I'd be like, have you guys read Molly and Me? It's so, <laughs> it's so sad. If a dog dies, I just can't. <laughs> the new Hunger Games book is out in two months. Lucky time. Jay. Oh, darn. Um, We're snobs. Yeah, we are. That's why we yeah. have a podcast. Oh, anyway. well. Um, oh. Audience, oh. listeners, people. The big listeners, thank you so much for listening <laughs> to this episode. We would love to hear from you um, on our email address, twinpixpodcast at gmail.com. But our Instagram account is also really good as well. Like I don't have Instagram, but I'll go on to like look at what Nora and Meg are doing. I'd the, love to say that do we all evenly do it, it's but it's just, just me. Noah. It's just Noah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. It's actually quite fun. So mm. essentially, so the listeners know what we do. On Tuesdays, I post like one of the triplet in the attics for the week. Mm-hmm. The best on, one. On Thursdays, we reveal what the next episode is. On Fridays, we do a poll so you can pick which, which, was your our, pick. which of the that episodes was really your pick. That is really interesting to me, yeah. seeing like public there's consensus. Been some, yeah, there's been some very controversial ones. I don't think mm. there have been. It's just been the ones that are more well-known people pick because they've watched There's been some but weird often, ones that like, we didn't love. I don't often, know, like, I I'll think, remember. like, oh, we're definitely on the side of, like, the public. And then it's like, oh, no, there yeah. must be some, like, weird family bias that we're, like, way we, you know, love Freaky oh, yeah. Friday. Completely. Yeah, know. literally, literally. Oh, yeah. Um, like, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was, like, Easily, how to lose a guy in ten days? Like no one cared about me. ten things I hate about you, which was wild to me. It was like eight votes to wow. one. Weird. Yeah. Wow, that shows you how much engagement we have. Eight votes to one. Well, yeah, and now more people will follow our Instagram. Yeah, so do they it, can guys. Vote, vote yeah, along. yeah, yeah. I revealed our stats. Oh no! Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the Wizard of Oz when the curtain comes down. <laughs> like, oh. I'm like, no, awesome. look away, look away. Oh, um, and if you want to uh, listen along, listen along. I never know how to phrase. If you want to watch the yeah. movies so that you yeah, yeah, are yeah. caught up for next week, we will be talking about Lost in Translation and her. Yay! I'm excited. And we will be doing it with a guest. That is literally referenced every episode. Yeah, because you don't shut up, Because I don't Noah. know whether to say Darcy, my girlfriend. Or Darcy, my, my girlfriend. Darcy, or, or Darcy, my girlfriend. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so for once and for all, you're all going to listen to her talk about her, 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 and Lost in Translation, and then I'll, I'll just say Darcy, I've decided. I'm so excited to talk about that. Yeah, I think it's a really good pick. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait. All right. Time for me to go do a big rinse because my nose what? is full of blood still. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> this is like disgusting. Yeah. Can you send it's a photo? It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Eliza. I forgot to send a photo once. Did I tell people? So, yeah, because of my surgery, I need to like four times a day with like a little water bodily thing, rinse out my nose, and sometimes like half my brain comes Noah's out. Noah's so good at bringing <gasps> the conversation back to his nose. It's really cool. Like four times a day, my nose like ejects Disgusting. This is gross. I'm going. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. It means a lot to me. So weird. (laughs) You would never make it in LA, the city of angels. The city of angels. LA. Eliza, she's literally taking her time. She can't kill yourself. It's true.
sure I don't. No worries.